Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCready, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tent Talk. This is Nancy McCready. On today's episode, I continue our series on the abiding mandate, where I begin to talk about Isaiah 54, where it says, Sing, O barren woman, you who can produce nothing you are about to produce. So it is part of the process to have to come to the end of ourselves and our own abilities and efforts so that we can step deeper into His ability within us so that we can truly live as producing sons. Take a listen. I hope it provokes you deeper in your personal process with Him and results in a mighty corporate harvest. Hey everybody, welcome to Tent Talk. We're continuing our series on the abiding mandate. So I just want to pick up from where we left off last time, and I want to say, sing, O barren one, you who did not bear. Break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who did not travail with child. For the spiritual children of the desolate one will be more than the children of the married wife, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent and let the curtains of your habitations be stretched out. Spare not. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you will spread abroad to the right hand and to the left. And your offspring will possess the nations and make the desolate cities to be inhabited. Fear not, for you shall not be ashamed. Neither be confounded and depressed, for you shall not be put to shame. For you shall forget the shame of your youth, and you shall not seriously remember the reproach of your widowhood anymore. For your Maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, the God of the whole earth he is called. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken, grieved in spirit and heart sore, even a wife, wooed and won in youth when she is later refused and scorned, says your God. Now that is out of Isaiah 54, 1 through 6 uh, in the... um, Uh, in the version, I'm sorry, of the Amplified Classic, because I wanted to be able to also read it to you in the Message Bible. And so that's why I was hesitating, because I'm literally doing that as I am talking to you. Because I love the way that it is spoken of in uh, the Message Um, And so I know that's quite a greeting, right? I just jumped right in because I'm so ready to convince you that you can do nothing while I'm encouraging you to get up and be these great producers. So oftentimes in the scripture, doesn't it seem like there are these contradictory things that come up? So God will say, you know, sing, O barren one, you who did not bear anything. You're going to break forth and have children, and they're going to possess nations. And you're like, wait a minute, I thought you just said I couldn't have any children. But see, when things seem paradoxical in the Scripture, what God is saying is, here is my heart's desire, here is my call, here is is what's going to happen. But now you're not going to be able to do any of it apart from me. So there's this convincing work, this part of the process that has to go on is that for producers to have to come to really and truly know they can't produce 
anything. So it all seems so contradictory. God puts within us this tremendous measure and harvest, and then he sets out to convince us that we can't do it on our own because we are inclined to, once we see something or hear something, right, we get the revelation of something, what do we do? We rush out and try to accomplish it. But in everything, he's always calling us to himself. Don't ever forget this. I don't care how much you labor, how much you work, whatever it is that God is going to do. Don't ever forget this. It's you that he desires. He can produce everything, my friends, without us. He can do everything on his own. But he doesn't want to. That's not his heart's desire. His heart's desire has always been to have many sons, like Jesus, many sons, who would gladly move in this great dependency so that the production can be together. Together he wants this. So as I spend this portion of the uh, podcast today uh, convincing you that you can't do anything, it's so that you will leave behind all your efforts and depend more and more on him, that you'll know him, that you will experience him, the experiential intimate, progressive knowledge of him that Paul spoke of in Philippians 3. It's the only reason to live this way, my friends. There's no other motivation for going forward. You know, it's it's only because I can be with him. And he loves the people. I don't have to be burning with love. I'm sharing in his love for the people. I don't have to personally, you know, be eaten up with, you know, the needs of people because that's not how Jesus lived. Jesus didn't live that way. He lived consumed, if you will, uh, in the abiding dependency upon the Father is that he says the Father has wanted this. That's why I've come, the Father. You see, so that's our, that's our way is that I'm not to be driven by the needs of people. I am led by the love of my Father. Uh, he wants people, therefore I can go for the people, bring them back to him. You see, this is the way Jesus lived, and this is the way that we are also called to live. So let me now read the same passage out of Isaiah 54, um, out of the Message Bible. It says, Sing, barren woman, you who, I'm sorry, sing, barren woman, who has never had a baby. Fill the air with song, you who've never experienced childbirth. You're ending up with far more children than all those childbearing women. God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large. Spread out. Think big. Use plenty of rope and drive the tent pegs deep. That right there, my friends, let me just break in. That right there is a big part of the process because the tent pegs are our maturing, our integrity, that which is able to stabilize the work, okay? So it says, yes, yeah, spread out, think big, use plenty of rope, drive the tent pegs deep. You're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. Don't you love this contradiction? You know, here it is, O barren one, you who can't have any children. You're going to need a lot more elbow room for your growing family. <laughs> so be encouraged, those of you who can't seem to produce one single thing. Come on now. He is going to produce in us because it's our oneness with Him, our consummation with Him that produces inside of us. 
So you're going to take over whole nations. You're going to resettle abandoned cities. Now, here is what could hinder all of that. So he starts to address this as a part of our process. He says, don't be afraid. You're not going to be embarrassed. Don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. You'll forget all about the humiliations of your youth. And then it goes on to to speak more things. But for my purposes here today, here is what I want to speak a little bit to is, you know, producers can't produce anything. And even for those of us who uh, maybe in our earlier years in life, we experienced embarrassments, humiliations. There was a lot of shame that was working. He addresses all of that because he knows that that's all going to show up because we can't stand to look like we lack. We can't stand to be embarrassed or humiliated. We can't stand to look like, you know, we don't know what we're doing, all right? But we are the producers that are born of him and for his purposes. And so when he says, now don't be afraid, you're not going to be embarrassed, okay? He's addressing these issues of our life that keep coming up because I'm not doing anything. I'm not stepping out into anything where there's even the hint of a possibility that I might be embarrassed or... You know, he's saying, now now look, you know, on Jesus' most successful day, he hung naked outside of town, mocked, spit upon, ridiculed. Jesus was willing, my friends, to look like a total failure on his most successful day. What made it his most successful day up to that point was because he was absolutely uh, accomplishing the will of the Father. So oftentimes I encourage people, you know, and I tell them, You know, I'm looking for sons who are willing to look like a failure while they know that they're being a success, accomplishing the will of the Father. Because if we can only do things when we look successful, we're not going to get very far. And we need to be those who know that we're called to be producers, but producers of His kind. A breed of producers that are willing, just like Jesus, to look whatever it needs to look like, you know, whatever whatever is going to happen. We're giving ourselves to Him because He's the one doing the producing inside of us. And He says, you know, don't hold back. You're not going to come up short. You know, and sometimes that's the fear is that I'm going to step out and I'm going to say these things and I'm going to, you know, and and it's not going to happen. And what will I do if it doesn't happen? Well, I don't know. (laughs) Because it's not my responsibility to make the production happen. Mine is to be willing to go into the ground. Mine is to be willing to go into the process with Him. The production is His within me and within you. And so it says, you'll forget all about the humiliations of your youth. Isn't that so very powerful? He says, don't worry. You're not going to have to relive the traumas of your life. Come on. This is us living, my friends, as we were meant to. And it's not all about us and how we look and how we appear. How do people think about us? You see, that's the self-consciousness that is a part of the death that has to happen, uh, that which encapsulates us, that which keeps us uh, quenched and hindered and not moving very much. That's what's got to die so that we can produce, if you'll remember back to our last time together. You know, this is where, my friends, He will do it. He will do it in us. And uh, this is 
our delight is that it's our oneness with him that does the producing. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady. Can that be enough for us? And I'm not saying that you should be able to already be there or get yourself there. No, you won't. You, that's not possible. Every inch, the calling comes from Him. The process is done by Him. It's for Him. He takes the responsibility to do that. And if you will, our big responsibility is to let Him. Let Him do it His way. And He will then bring us into the place that we are walking with Him day in and day out in our everyday life. The production levels are His. And so, you know, this is why it's necessary to see the subtle seduction that comes to keep you worried about your humiliations and your embarrassments and coming up short. And I don't want to get out there and put myself out there because what if it doesn't happen, you know? We've got to recognize there is a very subtle strategy of seduction that comes to keep the sons of God shut down, immobilized where we cannot move. Now, we might look like we're doing something, but where's the production? Where's the discipling of our nations? Where is this magnificent expression of the corporate son known as the body of Christ? Where is all of that? Well, my friends, it's shut up inside you and me. And so when God's process has come to break open that which may look small today because the bigness, the largeness, the greatness is within his life within you, he's got to get us to move with him and to cooperate with him. So what the enemy does is he tries to get it to be about everything other than that. You know, but God, you know, is, um, let me just put it this way. Source is everything to God. And the source of our abiding, the source of love and life and everything is Him. It's God. He's the source of everything. So He's saying, come to me, lean into me, depend upon me. Live in this deep maturing oneness is how Jesus prayed it when it's uh, written in John 17 in the Message Bible. A maturing oneness. I do this because this is who I am. I do this because this is what I want to do. This is my delight to depend upon Him. And trust me, my friends, you're not a burden to God. You're a blessing to Him. He wanted you. He made the real you in Christ. He's called you to Himself. You know, you're not a burden to Him. You see, the fact that you need Him... Uh, doesn't bother God. (laughs) You see, oftentimes in our growing up years, we thought, you know, being needy made us a bother. And it might have to other humans, but not to your Father, not to the Son, and not to Holy Spirit. They made you to live this way. It's the only real way that we can function. It's the only real way that there can be any real fruit. It's the only way for this Uh, to actually all happen. And yet at the beginning of it, uh, it's pretty amazing. At the beginning, he has to prove to you that you can produce nothing if you're going to live as a producer. Because source is everything to him, and he's the source of the production. So he draws you to himself. 
And there again, what does the enemy do? Is The enemy is doing everything to seduce you away. That's what he did with Adam and Eve in the beginning. Trust me, my friends. I mean, I have a lot of respect for the enemy and the fact that, I mean, he's duped me several times. Uh, but I don't fear him, and I'm, and I'm not um, overcome by him. But I, but I do appreciate the fact that he, uh, whenever there are uncrucified areas of our own flesh and undealt uh, with, you know, or unresolved conflicts that have not been dealt with within our lives, they become, unfortunately, an open door for him to keep us, um, you know, down rather than in abiding. And this is why it has to be exposed is, you know, the, that's what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve were seduced away um, to be independent, you know, come out separate from God. When God's entire heart was, no, come to me and lean into me. And this is why Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 4, you know, he said, I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. He says, but now I am fearful lest that even as the serpent beguiled Eve by his cunning, so your minds may be corrupted and seduced from wholehearted and sincere and pure devotion to Christ. He says, you seem readily to endure and to tolerate a different spirit from the spirit you once received or a different gospel from the one you received. He says, you're tolerating all this. Don't tolerate a different Jesus, a different spirit, a different gospel. You see, there Paul is saying, he said, one of the few things that Paul ever feared, he said right here, is he says, I fear the same seduction that came in the garden is about to happen in the church. And you're being seduced away, not from good behavior. All right, he said, you're being seduced away from him. You're, you're being drawn away to try to do it yourself. So my call to you has been all throughout this month of March here on Tent Talk is come to him. Hear this abiding mandate for what it is. It is our way of life that we lean into him, that we know him, that we draw from him. He feeds us. This is how Jesus lived as the first of many sons. And this is how the sons are called to also live. And we will not be those who will be worried about our own humiliations, our own sufferings, our own shame, our own embarrassments. Because, my friends, I, I really look forward to telling you this is because we've got humiliations, embarrassments, sufferings, and things to endure for his sake. You see, there is no life, my friends, without pain. There is no life without suffering. There is no life without rejection. It just depends on whose rejections you're going to live in. Jesus said, if they love you, I'm sorry, if they love me, they'll love you. If they hate me, they'll hate you. So one of the reasons that as I disciple people and mentor them into this life is I want to get them to be delivered from their own rejections and sufferings and pain so that they'll be willing to enter into his, this abiding. There is a fellowship, my friends, the fellowship of his sufferings. And too many of us worry too much about the sufferings and we miss the fellowship that is ours, our oneness with him that is ours in the sufferings. It's because if I live like him, I will suffer the same things. But this is my privilege. Come on. 
Come on, oh producers, come on. Let us be those that stop making our goal to never have a difficult day, never have pain again, never have anybody reject me, never any sufferings. Come on, we're called to the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. But there's a fellowship, there's an abiding that I want to call you into. And if you really talk with someone who's gone in to this way of life, they will tell you, yeah, sure, there are difficulties. Yes, there's trouble, persecutions, there's, there's sufferings, there's these things. But they're really the sufferings, my friends, are that we're finally going to endure. We're not going to ditch out and excuse ourselves out. We're going to endure the same way Jesus did. We're called into this same way of living as the Son. That's why I'm redefining discipleship and want to build a culture of discipleship is because disciples follow the Son so that they can live as a son to the Father in that same way, capital W. The way is Jesus. So I pray that this has been an encouragement to you over these uh, days here in March as you've listened to uh, Tent Talk. And I look forward to taking this message wherever God is opening up the doors into people's lives and hearts and with pastors and builders and leaders and visionaries who know that they are called to do mighty exploits and and they long to see a maturing people that can uh, be the, the very will of God and the weapon of God. Can't you know that this is possible? That the church could be the greatest weapon of love and life and loyalty and leadership that has ever been known on the face of the earth. Come on, my friends, we're the only free people on the face of the earth. But we've got to learn. We've got to learn to live like it and let Him produce in us whatever that may be to whatever measure He has determined for His sake and His glory. So I close out with Isaiah 53, 11, and 12 out of the Amplified Classic that says that Jesus will see the fruit of the travail of his soul and he will be satisfied. Yes, he will. That it's the travail of his soul that is producing. And it says then also, and that he will divide the spoils with the mighty. My friends, he's divided the spoils of his victory. That's what real triumph is. He's divided the spoils with us, and we are here to gather up what he has already won. He has already purchased the lives of men and women back, back from the kingdom of darkness, back from the kingdom of self, now that they might be presented in Christ unto the Father. Come on. Let's be those who live as abiding sons that are producing, and it's all for him. And it will be our uh, glad-hearted living out of this way of life. Glad-hearted. We're glad to do it. We want to do it. We go into every day ready to live this way, not counting the cost to us and and being self, you know, self determined martyrs. No, we will be those who have heard the call of our Father. And we walk with Him in such a way that He can do whatever He wants through us. 
So, yeah, let's build a culture of discipleship personally and corporately that begins to produce sons of this caliber. For this hour of history cries out for it, my friends. I want God to be satisfied, and I have no doubt that you'll be satisfied in Him if you're really living in the abiding mandate. It's our way of life, love, loyalty, and leadership. All right? Well, this isn't everything, my friends, that could be said about this, but I hope it's been enough to give you a larger view of his heart for you and for his world. All right? I love you all. I'm praying for you. And until next time, bye. If you'd like information on how to book Nancy McCready for an event or speaking engagement, visit nancymccready.com.